Okay, one thing I know for sure about me, your girl, Alina Conley, is that I have had an ongoing up and down yo-yo relationship with food. I am a foodie through and through. How many of y'all actually remember my old website, Fine Ass Foodie? It was the real thing. It was all about how do I eat foods that I love, enjoy the experience, the culinary experience of fine dining out with my girls, i.e. brunch, without compromising my health, without not being able to fit into my favorite jeans. Um, I will be honest, guys, over the last two years between this pandemic and two extra babies, it has been a challenge for me to really focus on nutrition. What I do know is that anytime I have felt my best, looked my best, uh, my confidence at its highest is always uh, linked back to my diet, what I'm eating, how I'm restoring my energy, uh, restoring the balance to my hormones. And so I am in a season where I have really, really leaned into not this yo-yo diet or my old school ways of getting fine for homecoming, but really understanding the foods that make me flourish and thrive. And so I was just so elated to have Tamar Samuels on our podcast. I got a chance to speak to her towards the end of last year, but I think that now as we're wrapping up the first quarter and you all are really re-evaluating those those New Year's resolutions, it's the perfect time to hear from someone who can really give us some advice on exactly what we can eat. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about her. Her unique and holistic approach to healthcare integrates functional medicine, positive psychology, and behavioral change techniques pulled from her training in clinical nutrition and coaching science. Tamar has her master's in clinical nutrition from New York University and is a national board certified health and wellness coach through the National Board of Medical Examiners. Her work in private practice includes treatment of disordered eating, stress management, PCOS, and sustainable weight loss. Tamar is the co-founder of Colina Health with fellow RD, Vanessa Rosetto. We will have the opportunity to hear all about her business, how she got started on this journey, what she's doing as a new mom. I see that her baby girl just celebrated her first birthday. So happy birthday. So let's jump into it. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Sunsama. Sunsama is a tool that has hands down been a game changer for me, guys. You know how I feel about creating work-life harmony. It is absolutely essential that we mindfully craft our days and think about what's important and what's not. So when I had the opportunity to meet the founders of this amazing tool, I was elated that we could finally find a technology hack to do just that. The founders of Sunsama started building because they wanted a way to be thoughtful and intentional with how they spent their time each day, especially at work. The idea of using Google Calendar for the next decades of their careers was so dreadful that they actually set out to build something better. In the first five years of their history, they study how thousands of busy professionals move through their workdays. They shadowed them in meetings, talked to them about their calendars, their never-ending project management tools, their internal processes. And what they learned was that the key to stress-free, focused, and effective workdays was to take a few minutes each day to plan out a reasonable workday. So they built this tool around this amazing insight. Each day, Sunsama helps people plan out an achievable and focused workday by pulling together all their tasks, emails, and project management tools into one place, y'all. This has been an amazing addition to my tech stack. It's how I start my days and how I shut down my days. Some of my personal favorite tools or ways to use this tool is the drag and drop feature. Have you ever felt like, okay, I have my calendar in one place, then I have my project management tool. I use ClickUp. If I could just get everything under one roof. Well, since I'm to the rescue, I actually can integrate my ClickUp, integrate all of my Google calendars. And when I'm planning my day, I can simply drag and drop my task. And since I'm will let me know if I'm actually doing what I say I want to do. So if I say I want to have 
40% of my day work, 60% of my day personal, it will show me a pie chart that allows me to see, am I actually doing that? It'll also say, hey, you've been working over eight hours. If I can time out each of your projects and tell you that you are overworking, what can you push back? So it allows me to be very mindful about my top priorities and what can actually wait. I highly encourage you to go check out this new tool. You can actually try a free trial by using our specific link. All right. So write this down, guys. It's sunsama, S-U-N-S-A-M-A dot G-R-S-M dot I-O backslash Alina. We'll also have this link readily available in the show notes. You are now listening to the Reminder Remedy podcast with Alina Conley, reminding you that everything you need is everything you got to flourish exactly where you are. We believe the world needs happier women, so we provide tools, tips, and life hacks based on the research of positive psychology. This helps you rediscover your strengths while increasing your overall happiness and productivity so that you can take action today. When women flourish, Everybody wins. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, guys. I am so excited to have you back for another episode of The Reminder Remedy. If you are tuning in on the podcast, welcome back. If you are on our brand new YouTube channel, you already know what I'm going to say. Hit that button and subscribe because today, for the first time ever, y'all, we have a registered dietitian on the line. We have Tamar Samuels. Welcome to the show and the channel. Thanks, Lena. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So let's get into it because I have been following you since I was introduced to your platform. And I'm going to be honest, like I have a love-hate relationship with food. Like it is my nemesis. Um, It is something that I think has impacted me more obviously as an adult. um, But I would say in those last year and a half more than ever because um, I feel like I'm getting to that age where things that I used to do in terms of like losing weight and like snapping back after a baby and all that like just doesn't work anymore. Um, I also feel like I've spent a lot of my life trying to figure out what works for me. So whether that's like a new diet or a new fat, or right now I tell my sister I'm doing intuitive eating, like I'll just let the spirit lead me. Um, so I would love to hear from you like a little bit about, you know, your story, kind of how you decided to become a dietitian and just like even your relationship with food and nutrition. Yeah, you know, I think that your your story actually echoes so many people's feelings about food and nutrition. So I'm really excited to dive into some of these topics. Um, I actually didn't know that being a dietitian was actually a career. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it. I wanted to be a therapist and now I'm a food therapist, but I initially wanted to be a therapist and I, and I was working in an after school program with kids and actually ended up uh, leading a nutrition class because I was always just passionate about, you know, the intersection of, of food and health specifically. I actually secret don't love to cook. <laughs> so um, I know a lot of dietitians get into the space because they really like cooking and food. I, I don't love cooking, but I do love nutrition science. So that's kind of how I started in this space. I had a personal journey of really struggling um, with a lot of like uncomfortable GI symptoms. So um, I had like several like recurring GI issues, chronic, um, you know, constipation and bloating. Um, I was diagnosed with like this thing called small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which stands for SIBO, um, which is really more common now, but I was diagnosed with that, you know, almost 10 years ago and kind of have, have always used food as a way to manage my own personal health. Um, although I wouldn't recommend kind of DIYing it because it ended up really affecting my relationship with food, um, as you touched on earlier, and really just feeling like kind of food was my enemy, right? Like every time I ate, I felt really uncomfortable and scared and unsure of like, 
whether or not it was contributing to me just feeling unwell. Um, and then that produced a ton of anxiety. And then I, I um, had an even more strained relationship with food. And so that's kind of how I got into this space. Um, I, in the, in search of like healing myself, I, I realized that this was a career that you can have. And I, um, immediately got my master's degree, got my credential and here I am. I love it. Um, yes. Kudos to that whole journey because I'm thanking you in advance for the work that you're doing because it is just so needed. Um, and I think that, when I think about a nutritionist and even so a dietitian back in the day, it was just like, oh, this just somebody that comes in and teaches us about like the food pyramid in school. And then like, that's really all we know about them. Unless you then get diagnosed with like a chronic disease or like your parent does. And you're like, all of a sudden you got to figure out what we're going to feed mom and grandma to get them back healthy. Right. But for me, similar to you, I, um, I just feel like depending on what I eat, it significantly impacts every area of my life. So it's impacting my food. I mean, not my food, my sleep, my mood, my skin. Um, I have always had like different digestive issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, hemorrhoids, not to be TMI, but we always TMI here. So here it is. Love it. <laughs> Put it out there. I talk about poop all day. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my goodness. And then I think the other side of it is even when you attempt to eat well, you realize how much of just even the food industry is just a scam. So then it feels like, well, where do I even get real food from? Um, and so, you know, as someone who is looking to number one, determine just even where to start and then how to kind of maintain it, what is the advice that you would have for us? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much misinformation out there, right? Like I feel like the wellness industry has exploded in the last several years and it's actually a multi-billion dollar industry. People, everybody eats, right. And people are just seeking advice about what to eat. And unfortunately they're seeking advice from people who are not qualified. You would think that we'd all be qualified to know what, how to feed ourselves, but we just don't have that education. Um, and it's, it's really affected what we eat and how we eat is affected by the media. Um, I think more so than anything, right? Like, and it's a completely unregulated industry. So it's really important to be able to like lean on reputable sources of nutrition information and know that, um, 95% of it out there just is not trustworthy. And I think even if it, even if it is trustworthy, um, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And I think that's where personalization really comes in. And that's like really what the work that I love to do, the work that my dietitians and my company does with our clients is really focused on evidence-based science-based nutrition. Um, so supporting people, um, with their health, um, and wellness goals from a, a perspective of a clinical perspective, right? You don't have to have type 2 diabetes, but this is how the human body works, right? Being able to let people know kind of what it means, why why are fruits and vegetables important? Like this is this is what happens when you eat these types of foods. Um, but also make it personalized, right? Because you know, this Instagram influencer is doing keto over here, but uh, that's probably not going to work for you. And here's why, right? Or maybe it is going to work for you, which it probably won't, but maybe, maybe it is. And, and I'm an ex ketoer, so we're going to definitely talk about that. I would, well, when you were talking, I was literally like, oh, I got to ask her about keto, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to, I love talking about keto. Um, mm-hmm. It's such an interesting diet, but, but that being said, it's like, if, if somebody else is doing it, it even if it works for them, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And I think, you know, the, the best place to start is to like figure out where you can get reliable information from. And that reliable information will likely come from registered dietitian, um, or you can go to our Instagram page um, or our blog. We have evidence-based blogs too. Um, and find someone you can trust and, and kind of start there. And then it also kind of starts within too. So like being in touch with yourself uh, around kind of like, what's working, what isn't working, what are your preferences like for taste, for what's your lifestyle like, right? Like I have clients who come to me and they're like, I hate to cook, right? I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to give you a meal plan where you have to cook (laughs) a lot, you know, like what are your options outside of having to cook all of your meals? So um, kind of start with yourself and knowing what works for you and what doesn't work for you and don't try to fit into a box, 
um, you know, with keto, for example, it's really restrictive, right? Um, but it also has benefits for some people because they don't have to think about anything, right? They just know that they need a lot of fat and not a lot of carbs, right? Um, for some people, that can spiral them in into, into an eating disorder. For other people, maybe it just feels like easy and they don't have to think about it, you know? Um, so kind of knowing how your brain works behaviorally, I think is really important mm-hmm. also. And I mean, I think that to your point, you would think that we all would know about food, but we would, you would also think that we all know like how our brain works, but we don't, right? Mm-hmm. Like most of us are not even in tune with our real needs, which is a lot of the work that I do, um, which is, you know, kind of helping people craft their life based on their values. But, you know, what I have found with 75% of my clients is in that first phase, they're having these aha moments of, oh my God, the things that I thought brought me joy or the job that I'm doing or the life that I'm living, like just does not align with like who I am at my core. Um, So I think that even that part of it would probably be a challenge, right? And I can imagine it is about just like, okay, getting getting still and, and realizing like, you said that you don't like cooking, but the last time you cooked, when you think about the emotions, you realize like, oh, actually, I do like cooking. I just don't like cooking when I'm rushed. With, mm-hmm. with, and there's a difference, right? So I, I think that that's a great starting point. So if someone was to work with a dietitian, though, what does that process look like? Is that blood work first or is that weight loss goals? Like kind of what is that? What can they expect? Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, I can't speak for any other dietitians, but I can speak for all of our dietitians at Kalina Health. Um, and our process is one where we start with data, right? I think like what you were saying before is so important. Being able to tune in and understand um, you know, the subtleties of the self is really important when we're trying to heal and support people. So starting with, you know, a comprehensive questionnaire that you fill out before you meet us and, and asking questions like, what's your relationship with food, right? Do you have kids who lives in your home? You know, what are your health conditions? Um, you know, what are your stress levels? What are your physical activity levels? There's so many things that impact how we eat and what we eat. And we want to know all of that stuff. Um, so we really kind of start with like diving into that stuff in our initial intake with our clients and really just having a big picture understanding of like their overall wellness and health. Um, and then we actually, we're a really goal driven, uh, practice. So we work with our clients to create benchmarks and goals together. Uh, we find that that really helps to support behavior change and motivation, right? Like it's one thing to you know, go on social media and look for like tips. And I think that can be helpful. But I think the reality is that like, that's fleeting, and it doesn't necessarily help behavior change, right? It's not just about education for us. It's about building healthy habits and creating a lifestyle where you're sustaining your results, because you can go online, you can follow a diet. It's not going to be sustainable, right? So our goal is to really like get sustainable results for our clients. And we do that by creating a personalized plan with them, um, and so we work with our clients to create long-term goals. Like we usually do a three-month time frame. We kind of collaborate on those together. And then each session, we create session goals to kind of build up to those long-term goals. Um, and then we work with our clients on creating those goals. So we're not here to say, you need to lose 15 pounds. Um, you tell me what you want, right? Like, let's say you want to, maybe you do want to lose weight, but more importantly, like you want to work on having a regular physical activity routine and you want to work on integrating more vegetables and cooking more, right? So those are sort of the habits that we're really going to be more focused on. Um, and, um, then from there we meet pretty frequently. So we meet usually every week or every other week. Um, and we kind of hold our clients accountable. We give support, feedback, resources, everything under the sun, as far as nutrition is concerned, we give you to help you reach those goals. So that's sort of our, our process. Mm -hmm. Um, and then again, you know, ultimately the goal is for you to reach your goals. (laughs) So that, that's, that's kind of our benchmark. That sounds very, uh, very looks. I like that. Um, that idea of that built-in accountability because I think that that's the big piece it's like to your point you can be doing it alone and then you look up and you're like eh, I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> you're just like out um and yeah. kind of having that coach um one of the things that I feel like has been if not the number one but the number two source of stress for me is when 
I make all of this effort to like write this meal plan list, then take my ass to the grocery store. <laughs> I almost died from COVID trying to shop, you know, which by the way, I do Instacart now. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I hate Instacart. Now all I do is Instacart because, <laughs> but I do all these things to be a great mom. And I prepare this meal of whole foods for my children. And then they literally don't eat it. And when I tell you that it is the most defeating thing when my kids don't eat my food because I just, it's not something that I really even wanted to do, which was like cook this meal. With, I just want to give y'all chicken nuggets and be great. But I'm trying to be responsible and you all just complain or you walk off. So what are your, like, talk to me about food and kids. Like, how do we get them to like real food? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. I am a, a new mom. My daughter is eight months and she just started eating. Um, thank you. Wow. It's a it's a journey being a mom. How, how, how old are your kids? They are six, four, two, and 10 months. Oh, well, congrats for you too. Okay, so you got a full squad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, so I'm sure it's especially challenging because they're all in different phases, right? Um, totally different phases. So I think, you know, the research says that like preventing picky eating really does start from the beginning, from when you first start feeding um, your kids and kind of not being afraid to experiment with different flavors and trying new things. And, and, you know, of course it's more work on mom, right? Like mom has to do all of the work, but, um, you know, introducing a variety of different food groups and flavors in the beginning helps to prevent picky eating in the long term. However, that being said, a lot of kids do hit a picky eating phase, especially in like the toddler years. And so kind of you know, being patient with your kids and, and understanding that your children get to decide, you you decide what they're going to eat um, and when they're going to eat, they decide how much they're going to eat. So giving them that agency to be able to say, you know, I don't want this much or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat today. Like, okay, fine. That's, that's your agency. You can do that. Right. And like being okay with that as a mom, I think getting fun with food too is really important. I mean, this is all in theory, right? Like I said, my daughter is an uh, infant still, and so she's not talking. <laughs> so yeah, in theory, this sounds good, but I, <laughs> I know I'm sure in real life, this is a lot harder. But um, having fun with food is something that I think can be really helpful for, for younger kids to really kind of experiment with. And and, you know, being able, like, we don't want to be wasteful with our food, but being able to say like, okay, like we're experimenting with food right now. Let's try these new fl flavors, right? Like, let's just take a bite and see how that feels. Um, it's, it's funny because some of the um, pediatric nutrition um, talks about introducing foods up to upwards of 15 times for picky eaters mm -hmm. um, to really like reintroduce the same foods over and over to get children more comfortable with eating those foods. Um, and, and I think more importantly, like the dialogue around food, if your children are older, is really helpful, like being able to reframe the way that we think about healthy foods, right? So we, a lot of parents will say like, oh, well, if you eat this broccoli, then you can get your dessert, right? And so like, you're already categorizing food into like, good tasty food, <laughs> which is not healthy, right. versus like, um, well, sorry, you're categorizing food with like, unhealthy, tasty food, right. Versus healthy, non-tasty food. Right. And so I think reframing that and like reframing the way that we talk about healthy food, not just for health, but also for taste is really important too. So it's tough. I mean, kids are tough. <laughs> They're tough, but let go of the mom guilt. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Listen, I definitely, I, there were two things that you said that stood out to me and it's, um, you know, once I kind of realized that them not eating was creating a source of anxiety. I'm like, I had to get in tune with where that was coming from. Was it because I felt judged or was it because kind of in the back of my mind or subconsciously, I feel like I could just hear my mom being like, we don't waste food. Right. And so that whole thing then made me be frustrated around them because they're not eating it because we don't waste food. Right. So I think that, you know, even getting to a point where if there is one 
two, three bites taken and that's it. I just have to emotionally be okay with it, you know, and not take it personally um, because it can become like this moment of the day that you're just like, Ugh. Um, and then I will say that um, with my first son, um, who is my pickiest eater, we did, you know, the traditional baby food and a lot of the purees. And then with all of my other children, we've done like baby led weaning and starting with just mm-hmm. like whole foods and, all of them are great eaters, right? And I think that a lot of the research has suggested um, that puree foods really just came with the invention of the blender, not because <laughs> it really was what kids needed. And so yeah. I, do you, have you done any research around just like the benefits of um, non-puree versus whole foods for babies since you're kind of in that phase now? Yeah, it's so I'm so glad we're talking about this because I know that it is um, a little bit controversial. But the <laughs> yeah, the baby led feeding is definitely like there's more and more research that's saying that people babies who are baby led babies who come from baby led feeding tend to be less picky eaters. However, there's like a lot of ways to do baby led feeding. I think the goal is really self feeding, so allowing your child to feed themselves. And so, like what I'm doing with my daughter Everest is. Um, we are still in, we're doing a combination of baby led feeding and purees. Um, cause I have this like fear she's going to choke, which I'm sure a lot of parents do have. Um, but she self feeds, so she feeds herself. Right. And so the act of actually like feeding herself is, is really like one of the most important goals with baby led feeding. So I think parents can do a combination of all of these things. Right. And, you know, for us, it's like, we're doing, uh, all the different colors. So I'll do like beets and blueberries, you know, I'll, I'll really experiment with some um, foods that come from like a variety of different textures and flavors and, and colors. And I think um, that diversity is really, really important too. But certainly like, um, I think parents don't like get, kind of get stuck, like they have to do one or the other, but you can really do a combination of both um, and still get those same benefits. And actually some of the research says that of course, like allowing baby to feed themselves is important, but also just having a shared family meal helps with picky eating as well. So that's a big part of it, getting baby to sit at the table with your entire family and modeling eating um, helps with picky eating, preventing picky eating down the line. So that's a big part of it too. Um, So I think just being like flexible and trying new things and experimenting. um, I would have to agree in a, having lived it right I think that I think I saw somebody post that one time like listen my babies have been spoon fed and they also feed themselves my baby has had breast milk and they also have formula like Mm -hmm. you don't have to be so cultish around like what are you doing right um and I think that um to me it is about having enough educate so when it comes to these controversial subjects especially around food and babies I think that it's important that we have the conversation and not shy away from it because there are so many benefits right so like my oldest son is considered special needs and some of the things that we dealt with were you know fine motor skills being underdeveloped um and baby led feeding really focuses on like that pincer grip, right? So Mm -hmm. some of it is, is like the hand eye coordination that I watched him struggle with, you know, with holding a pencil and (laughs) my 10 month old can like grip anything. Right. And so it's kind of like, I like having the conversation with people like, okay, you know, I know we don't want our babies to choke and we don't want to, you know, feel like we're just doing this one way, but there are so many other things that come from texture, feel, knowing how to stop eating, right? When you're getting ready to swallow, to know that it's too much in terms of that, that gag reflux. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. And I think that, you know, I just introduced puree for the first time because now we're trying to learn how to feed with the spoon. Yeah. Right. So it's like you kind of have the best of both worlds, which is kind of my eating philosophy now. And now you need to help me figure this out. Okay. Because (laughs) I have been trying, I mean, I have done everything Weight Watchers, keto, um, fasting, intermittent fasting. And I know, like, what's important for me, 
if I want to nourish myself with foods that help me be, be very high functioning in the sense of I want to be able to have all of my brain like working. Like I don't want to be groggy. Um, I want to have um, I want my mood and my hormones to be stabilized, which has been an issue in the past when there's too much sugar and carbs going on. Mm-hmm. But I also want to get rid of belly fat. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's like something that this time around, like the lower like mom belly, like what is happening? Like normally by my one year mark, this is gone. So I'm like, is it age? So I know that you don't have all of my intake forms, right? But I'm a client and I'm telling you, like, come on, help a sister out. Like, what are some foods or some routines that you feel like I could do to help me, um, you know, get the results that I want in terms of like energy and just functioning and mood, but then also like targeting that lower belly. And I don't really work out that much. So I know I need to do that too. <laughs> so such a good question, right? I think there's so much that goes into this. It sounds like you've tried a lot. I'm curious um, what, if any of those things have worked First, that's where I would start, right? Like you have a lot of data on yourself. Let's start with what, what has worked and what you've noticed um, with what has and what hasn't worked. So keto worked the best in terms of just overall loving life. Like I had so much energy, like my skin was like giving uh, 16 and gorgeous. Like it was just so tight. Um, My hair was great. Um, Like I probably, I mean, obviously you start losing weight right away, but Mm -hmm. it probably was like three, four months into keto where I felt comfortable in my own skin. And I still had like, you know, like I've had two, two C-sections and two vaginal births, but with my C-section, like, you know, I still have loose skin. That's just not going to go anywhere unless, you know, I'm on somebody's table. Uh-huh. Unless you, unless you get get under the knife again. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, but that was like, so like I got back to, just like the size that I wanted to be in terms of clothes. But the reason why I really loved keto was because um, I felt like, as you can see, I'm, I'm a high performance and productivity coach, but <laughs> like, it's just my state of being. I like to be on, like, I just like to be happy. I like to be able to focus. Yeah. And I have realized that my obsession with this space is because it's not my natural space. Like I am mm-hmm. probably undiagnosed ADHD, you know, and I see a lot of all of my stuff that's in my kids now that we're actually getting our kids diagnosed I'm like oh yeah I used to do that as a kid but <laughs> like this is abnormal who knew <laughs> it's like oh but you know they were like oh she'll grow out of it but whatever so um so yeah I'm not a naturally like focused person like I you know lose attention very easily so mm-hmm. I've always been really obsessed with just like anything that helps me kind of feel like I'm on a limitless pill which mm-hmm. is what keto did for me Um, I also really liked keto because the food was delicious. Like I always felt like I was eating great food. Um, And, you know, in a perfect world, I think that I would probably do it again. The challenge for me now, though, is I, I breastfed longer, so I'm still nursing. Normally, I stop breastfeeding around like eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like keto was, you know, kind of messing with my supply. Mm-hmm. And also, when I did keto before, my kids, I only had two kids, and they weren't really eating what I ate, right? So they had their own kind of meal. We had a full-time nanny, so she was cooking for them. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to cook two separate meals. Me and my husband were doing keto. But then he lost all this weight and my husband is already slim. So he was like, fuck that. I'm not doing keto no more. It always works that way. So it just wasn't a good family diet because mm-hmm. I, nobody else was eating what I was eating. So then that's when I decided to just switch to Weight Watchers because I felt like Weight Watchers was more just like portion control. Weight Watchers, um, you know, I lost good stuff steady weight over time. Um, so I have no issues with Weight Watcher other than the fact that this is my other issue. After like two, three weeks of me doing a diet, all of that built in like accountability and tracking and stuff, 
I'm like, oh, I can just do it in my head, right? Mm-hmm. So then, like, if I've lost, like, say, five pounds, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'll just keep it in my head because it feels, like, so natural. You know what to do, yeah. And you look up and you're like, dang, didn't I have 30 points yesterday? And now I have 40 today? Like, sis, now next thing you know, you fat again, whatever. And I'm not going to say that. Let's disregard that because I know y'all going to come for me. Alina, love yourself. I do love myself, but... <laughs> But you got to keep it tight. I got it. I got it. <laughs> got to keep so, it right. Keep it tight. Yeah. So it's like the keto was my favorite. Weight Watchers is probably the most sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then now I am kind of just in this space where I just am making healthy choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't feel like I'm able to get rid of my belly. So it's making me want to go aggressive. But my fear is like when I go aggressive, it's not sustainable. Cause then I'm like, but I do eventually want to eat sugar, you know? So it's like, I like the space that I am in right now because I feel like it's very mind, body, soul connection mm-hmm. in terms of like, okay, like I got a, a cabinet full of Oreos and I would never touch them right now because I just don't desire them. And it's not what the kind of food that I want. So I'm eating well, but I'm not really losing weight. So I'm gotcha. feeling like, what the hell? Have you gained the weight back? So do you, it sounds like you try a lot of diets. Do you lose the weight and then gain it back? Oh, I always get pregnant. <laughs> I love you. That is what happens, okay? Because you know, when you start losing weight. Looking the- good, feeling good. The and the serotonin, everything, the dopamine, like you just in... Like, oh, I feel good. I look sexy. There's a lot, a lot more sex when you're smaller and feeling fit. And then you just get pregnant again. So that has been literally my life. Yeah, that's like, so funny. I lose weight, I get pregnant. So, and maybe wow. that's a thing. Maybe I don't want to get pregnant, so I'm just staying big. I just had a relation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, look, there's something real about that, right? Like, like I said before, food is influenced by so many different things, and there's certainly like a huge psychology behind a lot of these things. Um, it sounds like, I mean, I think you're in a good place right now with really like kind of being more in touch with what you need and trying to work on something that's more sustainable. Diets are, are short-term solutions and they're not even solutions because oftentimes people lose weight and then they gain it back and some. So it's not something that I recommend doing. I think that we need to find something for you that's actually sustainable in the long term. You probably won't get the same results that you would get from keto as far as like these extreme, like it results in a very short period of time. Um, but it maybe find something that's a little bit more uh, practical than like counting points in an app, right? I think you need to find a happy medium. And I think for you, um, that would really start with like a combination of something that's like a little bit lower in carbohydrates, but not a full ketogenic diet, right? Like manipulating carbohydrates is important for weight loss. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to be on keto in order for you to lose weight. However, carbohydrates do have a big impact on our hormones, um, our appetite, right? And certain carbs actually make us crave um, more carbohydrates. And so like, it's, it's about, it's about choosing the right type of carbs at the right time and the right amount. So I would really work with you on that, right? You can be eating a really healthy diet, but it's possible that you could just be eating, you know, too too many calories, right. And you don't, or or too many carbohydrates and you don't need to count these things in order for you to modify that. You can kind of like think about your diet overall in a day and then work on kind of um, modifying like one thing at a time to see how you feel, right. Like if you're having oatmeal for breakfast and a grain bowl for lunch and, um, you know, like a bean pasta for dinner, um, even if there's vegetables included in, in all of these things, it might just be not enough protein, too many carbohydrates to help to like fuel you appropriately. Um, and so we kind of work on like modifying that and kind of leaning on other types of carbs to support you at the right time. I'm not going to lie. You got to exercise. If you want to see some results in the core, it's definitely diet, but you, you have to move too. So that I think is really important to think about also from like a mental health perspective, like you're a busy mom of 
for, but it sounds like you also have a lot of energy and exercise really helps to support mental clarity and also even more energy. So, um, I think, and it's, you know, a great form of self-care also, and it'd be just like a great way for you to optimize. I know it, it sounds like that's your goal, right? Like you just want to optimize the time that you do. That's literally yeah. my word. It's like, how can I optimize this? And it's so interesting because when me and my husband first started dating, like I was like a workout bunny. Like it was a season. Um, and I think I've shared this on other episodes after having, so I got pregnant right before we got married. And so then I had all of this pressure to lose my baby weight before my wedding. Mm. So I did all of the diet and I did this. I had a trainer who was just like really hard on me. And I felt like I, I deal with some post-traumatic stress around yeah. Diet and exercise because in my mind, I still haven't undone the trauma of it being like you have to get skinny for this dress, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, oh, it's going to optimize my performance. And, you know, in the last, I would say last month, I started exercising two to three times a week yoga. Okay. We're not doing hit. Right. No, that's good. That's, that's good. Felt great. Like, I was just more so proud of myself. Like even, you know, when I was planking and my stomach was like sore the next day, I was like, I miss, I miss this feeling. Yeah. So I definitely want to just get there. I just, I guess in my mind, I still associate such a time commitment and such a sacrifice with it that yeah. every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay, well, what do I have to trade off to do this? When it really just doesn't have to be that way. Now, I do want to ask you another question, though, because I've been seeing a lot of um, jargon around um, inflammation, Mm -hmm. uh, diets, uh, where it's, you know, you choose your food based on things that are not going to inflame you. And I thought that that was interesting because my husband, as I mentioned, and he's probably like, so you just talking about me the whole episode, my (laughs) husband... He is a slim guy, always has been. But when we look back at pictures from when, like, we first got married, his face was super, super puffy, like Mm -hmm. swollen almost. And now he has, like, a very chiseled face, still very slim, but just his face looks different. And what changed was basically when high blood pressure runs in his family. And so we got into a car accident. And when we got to the hospital, it was like his blood pressure was through the roof. And they were like, listen, the accident may have caused this, but based on these numbers, this was already something here. And the accident was like a blessing in disguise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so immediately we started changing our diet, cut out all fast foods with the exception of Chick-fil-A here and there. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. Um, Because, you know, we think Chick-fil-A is healthy down here in the South. (laughs) Um, But we cut out pretty much every other thing. um, And, you know, we just don't cook with salt really at home at all. And, I mean, his entire appearance has just changed. He doesn't have headaches anymore. And I noticed that with me, when I eat, you know, certain foods, I don't know if it's gluten that I'm eating or what, but, like, my eczema flares up. I feel like this is like a little bit swollen. What is this? My lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. So like what, what's the inflammation part of the, the diet and nutrition that's kind of impacting a lot of us? Yeah. I mean, I think for your husband on a side note, I think it's probably not inflammatory driven why he has depuffed. It's because he's gotten his hypertension under control. Um, so he was probably retaining fluid in his face. Um, yeah. So, you know, part of the problem with high blood pressure is we're, we're actually retaining fluids, um, and that increases our blood pressure. So I don't know if he started a medication or, you know, just like really worked on, um, his diet, but he was probably retaining fluid, um, which is why he was all puffy, but certainly, you know, when it comes to inflammation, having a puffy face, retaining fluid in the limbs, retaining fluid all around is, is, is a, is a common symptom. Um, inflammation is the driving force of chronic disease and autoimmune disease, right? So it's hugely important to get your inflammation under control. Um, and doing that with food is really, really powerful, specifically like anti-inflammatory foods, right? And so, um, you know, when we are in a state of inflammation, it throws off our 
our hormones. It throws off our metabolism and metabolic processes. It throws off, off our cognition. I mean, some studies have found are, are starting to kind of come out talking about the, the connection between inflammation and depression. Um, and so we know that it is having an impact on all of the tissues in our body, including our brain. Um, so it's so incredibly important to get inflammation under control. Um, you can't do it exclusively with food, for everyone, but you certainly can try. Um, and so it's a huge priority when you're thinking about your, your nutrition, you should absolutely consider um, the inflammatory piece of things and the best way to work on, um, you know, anti-inflammatory diet, so to speak, is to really focus on having a variety of produce in your diet, a variety of different colored fruits and vegetables, having high quality foods and limiting processed foods. And having good quality, healthy fats is really important. So like some key things that I recommend for people is um, making sure that you're getting all of the colors um, in a day, which was really hard to do, right? So making sure that you're getting a green, a yellow, an orange, um, a purple, right? Um, a red when it comes to your produce. So, you know, not just having a salad with greens, making sure that you're adding in some purple cabbage, add in some red tomatoes, um, you know, also doing your best to kind of get good quality produce if it's accessible to you, I think is really important, right? If you can shop local, shop at a farmer's market, um, those foods, that that produce, because of the way that it's grown, um, has more antioxidants in it. So you can get a bigger bang for your buck um, when you're when you're shopping local. Um, so that is really, really important. Then also leaning on like some healthy fats, like in the topic of keto, right? Like I think some people can do the ketogenic diet and just have like butter and cheese and cream um, and kind of like lean on the like very high fat meats, right? But um, you know, TBD, whether or not those are inflammatory, some research says it is, some research says it isn't. But I think more importantly, we definitively do know that healthy fats like olive oil, plant-based fats, most plant-based fats are anti-inflammatory. Whether the non-plant-based fats are bad for us, we don't know yet. Um, I think, you know, everything in moderation, but, um, you know, having olive oil um, on a regular basis, right? Having avocado, um, having salmon and the fatty fish is really important. Chia seeds, flax seeds. Um, so having more of the healthy plant-based fats in the diet is really important too. So, you know, really focusing on the produce and the variety of produce, all of those different colors are all different antioxidants. And so that's how you really combat inflammation in the body. And then, you know, there's cutting things out too, right? The so-called inflammatory foods, right? So I think, you know, that is uh, something that I like to work with my clients on an individual basis. Some people are more sensitive to gluten and dairy than others. For example, some people with autoimmune disease um, are more sensitive to gluten from a GI gut perspective, right? But others aren't. And so you don't need to cut out these foods without um, figuring out if you're sensitive to them. And I recommend doing that with a dietitian if you can, so you don't like go rogue. <laughs> uh, but certainly there are inflammatory inflammatory foods that we know are inflammatory are like the sugar, refined sugar, refined grains and processed foods. You don't need to cut them out completely, but shifting the proportion of the amount that you're having in the diet is really important for inflammation. And then of course, lifestyle stuff, right? Stress, exercise, all of these things contribute to either decreasing inflammation or increasing inflammation. So um, kind of working on it from a more holistic perspective. I know that's a long answer. There's a lot I have to say about this, clearly. And it's just, as I'm hearing you talk, I can imagine, like, someone who, so, and I'll just say this, I am very much into this, right? Even just as a, um, something that I study, because a part of my program is like, okay, across all of these different domains, how can we kind of use them to craft this life, right? So, like, nutrition and environment and stress and all of that stuff is just such a huge part beyond just like the productivity hacks. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am very much into this, but everybody that listens to me is not into this. Right. And so, but my goal is to let them get excited about these things that we can control. And so for someone who maybe is not geeking out on like inflammation in whole foods right now, <laughs> but they do want to be healthy and make healthier choices, this stuff can sound overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how do I choose? And so, you know, what does it look like just like in the in the day in the life of like, even for you, like when it comes to you making these great nutrition choices, like how do you 
go about your day? Do you shop once a week? Like mm-hmm. prep meals? Do you, you know, do you know your blood type? Because I have a friend who's like, yeah, I was a vegan. Then I came to the, you know, holistic doctor in Atlanta. She told me I need to eat more beef. And I'm like, oh, do I need to go to see a holistic doctor? Anyway, <laughs> so what does it look like in your life? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something for everyone. Also the blood type diet, like totally not science-based. So don't even bother. (laughs) I think there's something to be said. I mean, some people just don't do well on a plant-based diet, but that doesn't necessarily relate to your blood type. So don't don't read the book. It's don't waste your time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't waste your time. Um, You know, I think for me, I have a startup. I run a very busy company. I'm a new mom. Um, so nutrition for me needs to be quick and easy, right? As I'm sure it is for many of you. I mean, you have four kids. I can't even imagine. I'm like, I'm one and done. I can't do it. <laughs> but you know, they say that you hey get then, the- So those hormones get regulated. You're like- yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> wait, wait another six months and I'll, I'll be saying something else, right? Um, so for me, um, you know, what I eat is really like, I really practice what I preach and I rely mostly on whole foods. Although like I will have like some popcorn and um, quick and easy, like healthy snacks in my pantry. Um, but for me, I think, I think it's about like your taste preference and it's about having a mix of things. Like if you don't like to cook, then find like a really great healthy meal delivery service that kind of does the work for you, right? Like invest in that outsource that. So you can spend more time doing something that you do like to do while still supporting your nutrition. Cause it does have an impact on your productivity. Um, never skip a meal. I know that intermittent fasting is a thing, but um, it's really important for people to maintain their energy levels, um, to make sure that they're having consistent meals throughout the day, right? You want to stabilize your blood sugar. And if you're not eating until the afternoon and then binging through the evening, then you're going to be tired um, and you're not going to have- How do you make sure that you do that throughout the day? Yeah. So I think leaning on some core things, right? So lean on quick and easy snacks that have protein and fiber. So even like today, I didn't have lunch, (laughs) but I did have an apple with some cheese and some almond butter. Right. And so, so that filled me up and has been keeping me satisfied and it's quick and easy and I didn't have to cook anything. Right. So the apple has the fiber, the water, the nutrients that makes me feel nice and full and also supports, um, you know, my, my nutrition, my digestive tract, but then the healthy fats also helps me to feel full. Right. And the protein from the cheese helps me to feel full. Um, and so all of these foods are really like quick and easy. You don't have to cook them, but it's really about combining the protein, protein-based foods with produce and they can be plant-based protein. So you can have, you know, hummus or beans and have that with produce. Um, you can do a big batch on the weekends. I work from home, so I don't do that. Um, but if you're someone who doesn't work from home and, you know, just likes to have kind of everything done so you can just grab it and go, I definitely recommend doing, I usually recommend doing two batches a week. So you don't spend your whole weekend, like just slaving away in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. It's like a lot of work. So like give yourself the weekends off and like try to fit in batch cooking in the evening when the kids go to bed. Or, um, you know, if you, if you have time during the day, if you're working from home, do it during your lunch hour. Um, so that can be really, really helpful, right? Like you have to cook for your kids anyway. So well, most, most of us do, um, although you, you can outsource that. I know, I know that it's so hard when you're navigating like parenthood and feeding your kids and it's, it's a lot. Like I, as a new mom, just experiencing it for the first time, like, Oh, now I have to cook for someone else. <laughs> you know, it's, it's right. a lot. Right. <laughs> and if you're already doing that work, I talked to so many moms are like, yeah, I cook these amazing, healthy, balanced meals for my kids. And then like, I ended I end up just like eating crap all day. I'm like, do yourself that favor by like adding yourself into the equation here, you know? So take the time to cook for yourself. If you want, if you don't want to, or you don't have the time outsource, invest the money into, into the healthy foods, right? So have healthy snacks, have grab and go snacks, cheese, nuts, fruit, um, when in doubt eggs, right? Like when in doubt, you can always lean on that stuff. Um, so that I found to get a rotisserie chicken one and done, you know, (laughs) a rotisserie chicken and a salad bag and you're good to go, right? Batch cook some quinoa or rice. Um, 
you know, really kind of like batch cook easy, easy things I think can be really helpful. Like chili is like a staple in my house, right? The beans are (laughs) pre-cooked. You don't have to worry about that. You get ground meat. You don't have to do anything with that. Right. And you can just like add frozen vegetables if you want. And that's another big one. Like vegetables, uh, frozen veggies are actually frozen at peak ripeness. So they sometimes even have more nutritional value than so-called fresh foods that are like being shipped from, you know, a different country. So um, <laughs> totally cool to have some frozen broccoli. I have frozen broccoli every single week. It's delicious. It's easy. Um, you know, you could also invest in like some hacks, like get yourself a slow cooker, um, a good quality blender and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You're making me hungry. <laughs> I hear. I'm like, oh, some nuts and cheese right now. I'll be really good. Um, yeah, I think that 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 that's so important. Um, and, you know, I I consider myself to be a foodie um, because I like to like there's nothing I love more than like going out to eat and like kicking it with my girls like that is like my happy place. Um, but I don't get to do that as much anymore because, you know, obviously COVID, but also just like having the kids. And so I try to recreate um, the experience through like having these rituals. And so that was something that I read, I don't know, um, maybe two or three years ago in the Magnolia um, magazine, you know. Love Joanna. <laughs> everything she She has five kids now right or six yes five and she was just like you know there are certain things that you don't like to do just like turn it into a self-care ritual Mm -hmm. and so she you know talked about you know laundry I think it was for her or something and I think that at the time just like cooking for my family and laundry were my thing um that I felt like was just like oh there's got to be better things for me to do with my time but the truth is it's like you know, we used to have a delivery service and that stuff used to go bad too. Cause at some point mm-hmm. you just get tired of everything. Right. And so the more cost effective thing was just like, okay, let's just buy, you know, two or three meals at a time. But even had creating this ritual of like alone time. And I realized like, oh, if I cook dinner, I can actually escape. Cause my husband does most of the cooking and I figured out when I just recently started back cooking with after this pregnancy, that it's an escape because the other parent has to watch the kids. And I was like, no wonder you like to cook and clean the kitchen because you can just tune us out. So I have definitely gotten back in the kitchen and I'm excited to explore this. I'm going to definitely have to set me up a session because I feel like the accountability of nutrition getting my body back moving, like that's going to be just like really good. Um, And it's part of the YouTube channel. That's something that I'm doing too. It's like, if I learn about something on the podcast, then I do kind of like a post or pre episode where I'm actually either using the product or doing the methodology. And I report back like, okay, guys, this is what happened when I hired a dietitian. Yeah. TBD guys. Yes. Yes. We would love to support you. We take insurance too. So, um, yeah, I, that, know, I forgot that they covered that type of thing. I only thought that they covered if you get sick, but okay. That's yeah. Helpful. You know, not a lot of dietitians take insurance. And I think it's a, it's a part of like a huge problem within the space. Like my co-founder Vanessa and I are really like passionate about making nutrition accessible for everyone. And that's why we take insurance as a company. Um, and so like taking away the sort of elitist attitude around nutrition and, and being able to provide really high quality evidence-based science-based personalized nutrition support for people and take insurance is like our, um, at, at our core, like what we're really passionate about. So, um, you know, talk about optimization, like optimize those benefits, girl. <laughs> You're paying for it already. <laughs> right. That's so good because, um, yeah, when we were talking, I was just like, is this, is this going to be something that everybody can do? Or they're going to be like, girl, I can't afford the food and the dietitian. Yeah. I, I love that mission. I think that that that's, I love that so much. Um, Well, this has been great. Uh, I think that, you know, this is just a timely 
conversation, especially as we get ready to go into the holidays. And I saw you post something uh, yesterday about, you know, how many people over ate for Halloween. And I was like, girl, get out my business. Um, <laughs> no judgment. You know, it's just like we're getting into that season. And I remember one of my guy friends who is, you know, one of my healthier friends, he was like, are you all really going to take all of the healthy habits we formed and all of the work that we've done together in these challenges and stuff and ruin it on like one plate of food that y'all barely even like. And I was like, you know what? So much of Thanksgiving is just like a mental thing in terms of what it represents for the family. But like overdoing it for days, is just not necessary anymore. <laughs> you know, Yeah, you nailed it with that one. You know, I think going into the holidays, my biggest piece of advice is like balance, right? Like it's okay to overeat to the point where you're sick on Thanksgiving. If that's something that you want to do, do it right. It's, but it's not going to ruin anything. It's not going to undo anything, right? Like if you're doing the work most of the time, enjoy yourself, like have an indulgent meal. You can have an indulgent meal once a week if you want, right? Like the goal is sustainability here. Like I hate the 80, 20 thing, but it's almost true, right? Like if you're doing the work most of the time. It's like having, going out and having an indulgent meal isn't really going to break the bank. It's about the small things that you do every single day that lead to success in wellness and I'm sure in the work that you do too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for hopping on here. How can people find you um, and keep in touch with you and your company? Yeah, well, thank you. It was so great chatting with you. Um, I feel like there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> you can find me um, on Instagram at, at Tamar Samuels RD. You could also find Kulina Health on Instagram um, at Kulina Health is our handle and KulinaHealth.com. As I said, we're a virtual nutrition company that takes insurance. So um, even if you don't live in the New York, New Jersey area, um, you may still, still be able to work with us. So um, you can find out more information about that on our website. Wonderful. All right, guys, we'll definitely take advantage of this. We're getting ready to get into that uh, weight loss goal season. So I know y'all are preparing and there's going to be plenty of ads out there for every diet. I know Weight Watchers just did a whole free campaign. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, this could be a great opportunity for us to really just get educated on customized solutions. So I'm excited to hear about, you know, the listeners who take advantage of this. So thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Elena. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of The Reminder Remedy. Be sure to visit us at theremindermedy.com for all of our latest information on our workshops, our freebies, and how you can stay in touch with us.